I have never found that work-life balance is a single thing that you do. I find it evolves every day, often multiple times a day. My work-life balance as an attorney on Monday looks very different than it does to next Monday or Monday a year from now. It depends on the situation you're in. And I think it's important to build in that understanding that being flexible is important. I think that's hard for a lot of attorneys. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Answering Legal's Everything Except the Law podcast. I am your host, Nick Worker. If this is your first time tuning in, this is the podcast where we share expert advice on all the parts of running a law firm that attorneys weren't exactly trained for back in law school. Now, I am very fortunate to have this job because I get to talk to a lot of really accomplished people. And today on the show, we have another very impressive individual joining us. My guest today has previously served as special assistant to the president at the White House, a senior level appointee at the U.S. Department of Justice and an equity partner in two of the largest global law firms and in-house counsel of a publicly traded company. That is an insane resume. Uh, now she's an executive coach helping lawyers who want a healthy approach to achieving successful careers and lives. Laura Terrell is here with me now. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. That What, what, a, what an incredible resume you have. Well, I've been really fortunate, Nick. I've had some great experiences and it's terrific to be here talking with you today. Still, uh, am I starstruck? Wow. Uh, can you tell us uh, a little bit about um, how you got to where you're, where you are? Um, you've obviously had some some really important job roles, but can you talk about some of your career highlights and uh, and what led you to where you are? Sure. Um, I think, like a lot of people, I was going to law school to be a lawyer. I had some idea of what I might like to do professionally public service, private practice. Initially, I started out in public service and that morphed along the way as different opportunities came to me. And for me, that's been part of the enjoyment of my career. Something that I think has made me a stronger lawyer and a stronger coach is working in different environments, public sector, private sector, in-house, private law firm. I also do pro bono work now with um, a couple of clients that I really get a chance to dig more deeply in than you do in a law firm environment where you do that kind of assistance. And I think it's helped me appreciate a lot of the different ways that lawyers work, a lot of the different demands that lawyers face and a lot of the similarities that come to them. So I would certainly say they've, they've all been great experiences. Um, I've really enjoyed the different places that I've had an opportunity to serve and learned a lot over the years. I have clients now that are in private practice, in government, in-house, and all over. Uh, I always think that impressive people do impressive things, but the usually the people that I'm most impressed by are the most well-rounded um, because they're able to offer help to others um, in all sorts of situations. So. If, if your expertise is only in one thing, like, yes, you're, you're very useful in that area, but the, the people who are able to help the most are the people who have a well-rounded approach. Um, so we usually, we focus on topics that, that lawyers need, that need to know that, that they weren't really covered in law school. Um, are there certain things that you see many of today's attorneys struggling with that would fall into the category of, of things not taught in law school? 
Well, let me start out by saying I think there's a lot more taught in law schools now than there was a number of years ago when I was in law school and you went to law schools that specialized in theory or economics in the law, but there was not a lot of practical discussion. Now there are more law firms that do talk, for example, about being in a law firm, collaborating as a team on a brief. Uh, those are things that come more prevalently in a lot of law firm environments, but there's still a lot that I think lawyers are seeking when they get out of law school. And just to name a couple, one in private practice is really understanding the business economics of how a business runs and how a legal business is operated, what your role in that is, where you fit, how does your billable rate connect with whether you get a bonus at the end of the year, how much are you concerned about having written off on your uh, billables every year. In other environments like the public sector, there's a certain amount of understanding the institutional structure the process, because for example, in the federal government where I worked for a number of years, you really need to understand internally, how do you get authorization if you need additional resources? What are the funds that are available? You can't just easily get that maybe the way you would in a private sector job, but if you have a big document review that you need to do, how do you manage that? How do you leverage the resources that you need internally? So I think those are some examples that I see pretty frequently. I also see a lot of questions from attorneys in all walks about how do I really direct my career? Do I just take what's given to me or how can I structure and how can I take advantage of opportunities? And what do those mean in terms of how I develop and where I might be heading on a path to promotion or a path to growing as an expert in a certain field? What would you recommend is or, or what would you recommend are the best ways to further your career if you're, if you're somebody in one of those situations? I always start with my clients by encouraging them to ask questions and identify resources in their organizations. When I talk with an attorney in a private law firm, for example, and they say to me, I know what I'm supposed to do as a young associate, young generationally in, in the law, I'm supposed to do the work that's assigned to me, but how do I know if that is relevant to what will help me in my evaluation at the end of the year or what will help me advance at some point? How do I determine that? And my first question to them is, have you asked somebody, maybe a more senior associate or somebody in your associate development group or somebody in another, another area that might be able to assist you? What kind of questions have you asked? Um, do you have an associate luncheon that you could suggest that as a topic or is there an associate coordinator? I, I really believe that one of the things that lawyers can do to help themselves the most is ask questions and do research on their own. I want to ask you about this is, is that one thing lawyers don't really do a lot of is, is talk about their fears. And when, when running a law firm, there's sort of a lot to be afraid of, like losing clients or, um, or your business going under. So what type of advice do you have or, or have you had for those running law firms um, who are dealing with those types of fears? Well, I think the best way to look, everybody is going to have a concern at some point. What if I don't get any more work and my billable hours decrease? What if I have, um, a downturn in my business or a client lets me go. Maybe we have an unavoidable conflict in the firm or maybe a client's unhappy with how the work is going and they decide to switch firms. 
I think the most important thing that you can do is try to get prepared for that because it's going to happen. Uh, these are normal things that happen in the course of a, of a legal practice, or maybe you get taken off a case that was really important to you. I think one thing is to try to build a diversity of your practice and to also be thinking about not just head down, I'm really, really absorbed in this one matter, but how am I preparing for the next case that might come to me? How am I getting ready? How am I socializing within the firm, for example, to introduce myself to other people, even before you have the ability to really bring in a client? And that takes time. How am I developing those relationships? What's my reputation? If I lose work in one area or if I have a client that goes away, how do I have people that I can go to that I can have an honest conversation with and say, Nick, I've really, you know, been disappointed that I've had this client that the case settled. We're not getting an additional matter from them. I'm a little slow right now. I'd love to know if there's something that you and I could work on together. I think being able to be prepared to have those conversations and to have the kind of relationships before it's just a cold call or a cold conversation with someone that doesn't know you is really critical. So uh, one thing that, that I know that I struggled with early in my career is um, this idea of imposter syndrome that uh, I wasn't necessarily confident yet in my skill set, um, And uh, I had this idea that like, I didn't really know what I was doing yet. And so I, I couldn't be as valuable as I wanted to be. Um, and I think that that's a pretty common I don't know, mindset for, for attorneys to have, especially those who are just starting out. Um, so do you have any sort of, uh, I don't know, tips or, or mindset alterations that lawyers can make to sort of overcome this idea of imposter syndrome? Well, one thing I, I always share is that I think we all struggle with that at different points in our careers and in our professional lives. But in the early point in your career, it can be hard because as you point out, you're thinking, there's a lot of people in this environment that have been doing this a lot longer than I have. And they must know more than I have. And what do I really have to contribute here? I think a good starting point to adjust that mindset is to really think about the fact that you've been hired for a reason. You have certain skills, you have certain capabilities. And in most environments, people see not only those skills, but your potential for what you can achieve. And secondly, one of the ways to address the feeling that you don't know everything you need to know is to ask questions and seek feedback. And sometimes that's tough. Sometimes we think, well, if I ask for feedback, I'll hear there's a lot I need to do, but that also better ed educates you and better equips you for the next project that comes along. And I think the corollary to this is also you're going to have failures. You're going to have things that don't work out the way you want at certain points. You might, write a memo that gets a lot of red ink back on it from a senior supervising attorney, or you might have a deposition that doesn't get at the heart of the questions you wanted or a ruling that goes your, goes against you in court. Those things are going to happen. Those don't mean that you have necessarily screwed up. They don't mean that those failures are fatal, but those are also parts of learning and parts of working in a profession that is by its nature, something where a hundred percent win rate is something that very few people achieve in every aspect of their professional life. So I think putting in perspective that everyone has times that things do not work and trying to get more information about what you can do to learn from the situations where you can improve is helpful, but also recognizing 
this is not just you. This is a lot of people that are starting out and trying to learn where you are and you have something to give. You have something to contribute and you can learn from those instances. Uh, I, I totally agree with you. I think the best thing that I did um, early in my career when I was feeling that way was take the opportunity to say, hey, um, maybe I'm right a little bit. Maybe I don't know as much as I want to know. And uh, and I asked a lot of questions and I read a lot of articles and I, I spent a lot of time really honing my craft. Um, and, and I noticed that when I focused my effort there that um, I stopped feeling so... I almost felt like a, like a guilt about not being able to do as, as well as I wanted to do. It was, it was self-imposed that nobody really made me feel bad about it. But, uh, I think you're right. I think take that opportunity to, to really learn. But I think, I think a lot of the lawyers who watch this podcast, especially don't have the biggest teams to assist them. And it's often up to them to generate their own client opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any tips for our attorney viewers on how they can go about improving their their business development and their marketing skills and uh, and how to how to really get out there and, and find customer opportunities? Sure, I think, first, many opportunities are based on long term relationships, it's never too early to start building those relationships. And that doesn't just mean going out and pitching a client multiple times, but really getting to know someone. It can mean someone that you met at your child's PTA meeting or someone that serves on a local community board with you that you develop ties with. I have a client I've been working with on business development issues for some time. And one of the things we've talked about is that business development is very personal. Some people go out and play golf um, every weekend with people that are really passionate about that. They spend a lot of time on the course together. Other people find people that they can connect with through taking a walk, or maybe they connect over watching uh, the U.S. Open and being really enthused about tennis. I have a client that has personal relationships with people that are also as passionate as she is about professional tennis. And this is something that she connects with, not only offering people tickets or um, saying, would you like to you know, join me, but Hey, how about coming over to my house or how about, you know, having a watch party or just sending an update on something she's seen on a player that they've talked about before. I think those kinds of personal connections can help build relationships over time. What's important about developing business is you really want people to have trust in you. And that trust takes time to build up in many instances. I would also say that building your reputation is critical. And if you're in a smaller environment, you don't have as many folks to rely on in a big marketing department. Think about how you want to develop your own brand and reputation. That might be that you post on LinkedIn about interesting issues that you see. It might be that you develop a regular email that you send out to clients, just updating them, maybe a webinar that you decide to put out or develop. And some of the guidance on that can come from not just people in your own firm or your own department, but it can come from people that are colleagues at the bar. And I think finding a mentor is actually really important as well. It doesn't have to be the stagest person you can locate as an attorney, but it might be somebody that is a few years beyond you maybe, or has gone through a similar situation. And I think finding somebody to bounce ideas off of and ask, do you think I'm on the right track is really helpful. I think 
I, 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 I find it interesting because I think lawyers uh, and the legal profession is one of those professions where you don't want to rely on your personal relationships because you feel, and I'm not saying this is right, but I'm saying I meet a lot of lawyers who feel like there needs to be this um, very strict professional boundary between attorney and client and that they only want to be recognized on their merits. They don't want to find clients based on these, like, I don't know, mutual interests or, uh, or personal relationships. And that's not necessarily the healthiest way to do business. So I appreciate that you pointed out that you can just follow what you're interested in and meet people in that way. And, 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 and that's really how life works too. Um, I, I do find it interesting because I think obviously over the past few years, marketing has been significantly impacted, whichever way you, you really look at it. But are there any new skills that lawyers need to learn or, or new habits that, that we should be engaging in to ensure that we're generating new clients? I think communication is something that is always important for lawyers. And let me just give you a little background on that. I think lawyers are often great advocates in a legal sense. They're quick to make a good argument. They're quick to respond to someone else's motion for summary judgment. Lawyers are not always great about communicating when it comes to advocating for themselves or obtaining information for themselves. I talk to a lot of attorneys who are concerned. What if I asked my client, you know, tell me about what you really need and what you're missing in your legal portfolio that outside counsel could help with. They want to give their clients or potential clients a litany of things that they could do for them rather than actually sitting down and having a conversation about what the client's needs are. I've had conversations with clients over the years where I've said, you know, we've really enjoyed working on X project for you, but, and I appreciate the good feedback you've given me, but I'd really like to know, are there other areas where we could help you? I've had clients come back and tell me some of those areas and some I've had to be really honest about and say in response, I don't think we have the kind of practice that could support you there, but I'll keep looking for other ways that we can. I do think we could help you with this, which you have also mentioned. I think a lot of honest communication with clients, asking for feedback, listening to what they need rather than giving them glossy brochures or pitching them on work that you have no idea whether it's relevant. The other thing I would say about getting a firmer understanding of your client is really being aware of what's going on in their industry. Um, some attorneys get so focused on what they're doing as lawyers and the legal issues, they miss that there are a lot of business issues happening in a certain industry or with a certain company. I recommend if you're pitching companies or you want to be focused on a certain industry, setting up news trackers to be able to look at what's coming forward, reading the business pages of the paper. Uh, if you aren't aware that the company that you've been talking to is getting ready to undergo a major transformation in one of its divisions, or that they're about to be bought by somebody, which might change their whole landscape of their legal team and the financing, you're missing a huge part of the picture. I think lawyers need to be more in communication with their clients about it. Hey, I saw this news. I know that you're really busy right now. Let me know if there's anything we can do to help. I've had clients say in response to that, you know what I need the most right now? 
I need that memo earlier than I thought I did. Or I really just right now need you to keep focused on the work you're doing. Only bring me the things that I absolutely need to know about. We may need to forgo our weekly call for a couple of weeks because I'm just too swamped with other things. I think people appreciate when you hear them and when you ask them what they're looking for, not just tell them what you can do for them. We will be right back after this short ad. When a client calls, they're really looking for immediate service. Because we have Answering Legal, we're able to see every client message and we're able to contact our clients immediately. My name is Margot Gaines and I'm a partner at Gaines & Musico. We started using Answering Legal because we were unable to answer all of our phone calls. Answering Legal has allowed my firm to get hired on numerous clients that we never would have. We get messages throughout the night and on the weekends. Sometimes we're in court or we're dealing with other clients. And because of Answering Legal, my partner and I are able to address any client concerns or any new clients immediately, and it's really increased our business. Answering Legal has allowed us to service our clients in a way that their needs are met and their phone calls are answered, and we're able to spend more time doing the things that are necessary for our clients. We, you mentioned this before that, uh, and I know you have a lot of expertise in this, is, um, is helping legal professionals recover from a professional setback. Um, this is something I'm sure a lot of attorneys can relate to, but don't necessarily want to talk about. So I want to ask you if you can talk a little bit about your experience helping lawyers overcome these sorts of setbacks um, and share some advice for any attorneys who might be currently dealing with this in, in their careers. It's something I talk a lot with my clients about. It's something I've talked a lot with colleagues over this. Something I've shared when I've had professional setbacks and I've needed somebody to listen and support me in that. I think that, as I said earlier, professional setbacks, failures, missteps, hiccups, they happen. That's just a fact of life. It's also a fact of being in a very high stress, very high demand profession. A good example is getting a tough evaluation. I often hear from people that they thought they were doing really well on a path in their firm, in their company, in, in whatever environment they're in as an attorney, but they have an evaluation that really gobsmacks them. I mean, just honestly, it wasn't what they were expecting. They thought they were going to be getting the same good evaluation they got last year, but this year, maybe they've gotten some different feedback. You need to improve your technical skills or uh, you need to be a better communicator with the team and helping with team management at the level that you're at now. And we're not seeing those skills. People often worry about how do they react to it. I think one thing is to just really listen to the feedback. It's okay sometimes to say, I'd like to think about this and then maybe come back to you and discuss this some more. That's a great way to take some time to absorb, maybe ask your peers, is this feedback that you got at a certain point in your career? Is this feedback that you've gotten from this particular supervisor or this partner? Uh, what do you think about my work? Maybe somebody else that knows you well. And really absorb that and then think about how to go back with that. Um, trying to address what happened with any setback, is that valid feedback? Um, when the client decided to move on to another firm, was that because of something that we could have done differently? 
Or is it because of a conflict that is just unavoidable? Is it because the memo didn't turn out as well as they liked? What could we do to address that in the future? A little bit of um, causal analysis, trying to look at what the issue was. But I think also being open to, sometimes people have a professional setback and they say, you know, I just feel so paralyzed around that. And I feel that it wasn't justified. I really encourage people to think about what was not justified, what was real, what was not valid, and to seek some feedback on whether that's true or not, and to really look at it. Um, I have a client, a great example of this is getting the feedback that they were having trouble connecting with the team. As we worked through that issue, one of the things we identified was that this client was not very present in the office and was not always working with the team to update them. And different team members felt sort of disconnected, uh, maybe had part of the information, but not all of it. We talked about whether it might be helpful to do a weekly team meeting so that everybody was on the same page. And the client had never done something like this before. It had really been a one-to-one -one relationship with team members. But that really seemed to transform the communication. And she also asked the team for feedback as to whether that was helpful to them, which they said that it was. And they had some also thoughts about maybe we could do it once a month in person. Um, I think getting feedback not only from the people that you work for, but the people that work for you can also be instructive in that regard. Yeah, uh, I'll share a personal anecdote is uh, a few years ago, I had uh, an assessment that didn't go very well. And I know you might find this hard to believe, but I am a know-it-all. Um, I think I know everything. The first idea that comes into my head is the right idea. And anybody who opposes me um, or challenges why that might not be the best uh, course of action, uh, you're getting steamrolled. And I had to learn to, and, and I got coaching on this too. I had to learn to open my, my, I'll say my mindset to opposing ideas and realize that, uh, just because I had an idea doesn't mean it's the thing that I have to do. Um, and one of the things that I got told to do is even when I, I think that I have, or even when I know, right, air quotes, that I have a good idea, um, to just slow down and, uh, and not just go as hard as I can um, and as fast as I can to accomplish this thing. And that was hard to internalize, right? I, I didn't want to be told that I'm a know-it-all and that I'm arrogant. Um, but it turns out that there was some merit to that. Um, and it was a, a truth that I needed to hear. So I think you can think of it as a professional setback or you can take it as an opportunity to learn and grow and, and get better. Because if you don't have the opportunity to, to be told what's what you're doing wrong, then you can't really fix it. So I do wanna ask you, what what's your biggest piece of advice for our attorney viewers on how to be both successful and healthy while working in the legal profession? That is a very big question. And I often get it in the form of how do I achieve work-life balance? And one of the things that I share is I have never found that work-life balance is a single thing that you do. I find it evolves every day, often multiple times a day. My work-life balance as an attorney on Monday looks very different than it does to next Monday or Monday a year from now. It depends on the situation you're in. And I think it's important to build in that understanding that 
being flexible is important. I think that's hard for a lot of attorneys. Many attorneys are, as you say, you know, very high achieving, very successful people who have great ideas and think if I just set this path in motion, if I put this process in place, this is how this should continue and this is how this should work for me. If you have kids, that's something that you learn pretty quickly is that you have to be adaptable and flexible with kids. It's, it's similar with your work. And I think understanding that there may be days that you're going to have really long work days, but you also need to then carve out time. You need to put some planning on the calendar. If you're working towards trial for two months straight and you've been away and you're feeling like you haven't given enough time to working out, sleeping, eating right, you need to build back in some time for that when you finish that trial. I think there are also ways that I see successful attorneys carve out time for themselves. Not just saying to clients, I'm not available on weekends. I've heard people use that or I'm not available after X hour in the evening. For most attorneys, that's a pretty hard boundary to set because there will be emergencies that will come up. But I think being available, but being reasonable about what that availability looks like. Somebody texts you, I need to talk to you about this brief. Maybe you're at your kid's school play, or maybe you're out with your partner for a walk that's important to talk about something in your personal life. Can you ask if there's a time you can call back later rather than just jumping on the email, jumping on the call that comes in? Is there a way that you can be responsive and responsible for your client work, but also mindful that if you ignore the needs that you have personally, that's going to suffer in your life. The stress is going to be really difficult. I'm also a huge advocate for sleep and exercise. Those are two things that attorneys cut out right away that really come back to backfire on them. And even if that's just taking a walk around the block while you're on a conference call or asking somebody to sit outside and have the meeting rather than just being in the conference room, getting fresh air, getting exposure to that small steps, even when you're in a very tough, very demanding period of work can make a huge difference. I read recently that, so I'm, I'm one of these people that I'm like all or nothing. Um, if I'm going to exercise, I have to carve out like the two hours to exercise because I'm crazy. And I tell myself that that's mandatory, but, uh, there was a study done recently that any amount of exercise you could do 10 minutes, you could do five minutes. Any amount of exercise is something like not only it's like 300% more effective than no exercise at all. Um, and the difference between 10 minutes and an hour of exercise is not that different. So if all you have is 10 minutes, just do the 10 minutes, you know, and we tell ourselves like, oh, that's not enough time for this, or that's not enough time for that. But I, I, I love the idea that anything is better than nothing, right? And, and done is better than perfect. So I, I know you mentioned earlier that, or, or really I mentioned earlier, that you have reached some pretty significant heights in your career. Um, and I think that's a, an understatement. But for law firm owners who are interested in eventually branching out into bigger legal roles or, or bigger, bigger projects, uh, do you have any tips? Sure. Um, if you're a law firm owner that's looking to move into a bigger legal role, maybe you're looking to uh, move into a general counsel role with, with a company, or you're looking to be um, the head of a larger law firm or move into a larger organization. 
Obviously, strong legal skills are important, but I think also strong management and financial skills are really critical. I have a client that used to say that he was not good at math and that this was his setback, that he would never be good at the financial side of thing. It turns out, as we talked through what his skills were, he's really good at budgeting and he's really good at understanding the budget cycle. Someone else really puts the, the financial dollars in place and gives him the input on that. But for his department, which he runs as a lawyer in charge of a large legal department in a, in a company, he has to be cognizant of that budget. He has to be thinking about it and he works towards it. And I asked him where he got, thought he got that skill. And he said, well, I just, I had to budget when I was in college. I had to budget when I was in my first, you know, career role when I was first working. And I've always just kind of been attuned to, you can't run over without a plan for how you're going to fund that. So somebody that says, you know, I wasn't great at math, but really has an understanding of the budget cycle. That person's a huge asset within their company. In-house, for example, or as you move into larger roles in a law firm or in a private practice environment, whatever it may be, you're going to have to have an understanding of how you manage people and how you manage the financials of an organization. And I think that's something that if you want to move into that broader role is really, really critical. And you can draw on certain strengths. You can get help. You might say, I'm not the person who's really going to be able to understand all the aspects of depreciation of our hard assets for the company. Well, you might employ somebody or you might have a CFO or an accountant that can help you with that. But you certainly want to have a very good understanding of what your financial picture is and how you manage that in a way that's uh, profitable and effective. Uh, if our followers have enjoyed listening to you today, which I'm sure that they have, uh, how can they go about engaging with you further and uh, where should they follow and connect and, 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 uh, and contact you? Well, I have a website, lauraterrell.com, L-A-U-R-A-T-E-R-R-E-L-L.com. I also have a great document there or on Bitly that you can pick up, Nine Lawyer Questions. I find this is really helpful for a lot of attorneys who are asking themselves, I think something needs to change, or I want to make a pivot, or where do I go next in my career? And these are just nine questions about lawyer life that can help spark thought and spark discussion about what might be important to you. So uh, Bitly document, nine lawyer questions. It's also awesome. available on my website. Awesome. Uh, Laura, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I uh, want to give a special thank you to all of our listeners. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and we will be back with another episode of Everything Except the Law soon. Be sure to check out previous episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and the Answer and Legal YouTube channel. As always, links to everything covered in today's conversation, including Laura's website, um, the document about nine lawyer, lawyer questions can be found in the description of this episode. See you next time, everyone. <laughs>